Can you hear me now? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see my scripture text up there. Very familiar text. I do believe that there are breakthroughs coming. To believe that God is working among his people, that he's reviving, he's stirring. He wants us to get right and to get ready. But also believe that we're living in the last days. And we're seeing prophecy being fulfilled in our eyes that the coming of the Lord is sooner than we Maybe he expect or believe he's coming back. I believe we have a short time. We need to work. If you see the title of my message, I want to tell you and declare to you the truth of God's word. Hell shall not prevail against the church. Over 100 times in the New Testament, the word church is used. We are the church. And this is what my scripture text says. And Jesus answered and said to him, talking about Peter. He, no, excuse me, verse 18. Jesus said, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell or Hades shall, shall not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It's what I want to share with you this morning. Each time the word uh, church is used in the, in, the, in the New Testament, it's a translation of the Greek word ekklesia, which means a called out ones. God's purpose is to call out of the world a people for himself, to redeem them from sin and to give them a distinct identity in the world. So the church is a community of people who owe their existence and their distinctiveness to, the, to this fact, the call of God on our lives. Aren't you thankful that God is calling still today for people to come out of sin and out of darkness and into light? Aren't you thankful today that he called you, that it was a time that you heard his voice, that, that the Spirit drew you, and you became a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ? A few weeks ago, I spoke on the topic about my church uh, talking about the church that Christ is building. Now, my church is a door which gives me entry. When we think about the church in our building here, all around, north, south, east, to west, we have doors that allow people to come into the sanctuary of God, a place that they can find Christ, a place that they can worship, a place that they can find help for their, uh, for their, their, their for the healing for their body and help in their time of need. They've got, it's open to everyone because we are a community. It is an entry to an opportunity for service to God and service to man. 
Mark 10, 43 said this, Let it not be so among you, but whosoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. Someone wrote this, and I want to share it with you. It said, God frees our souls not from service, not from duty, but into service and into duty. And he who mistakes the purpose of his freedom mistakes the character of his freedom. Paul said in Galatians 5:13, You, my brothers, were called to be free. Aren't you thankful today that you have been called into a freedom that only Jesus Christ can give you? A freedom from sin, a freedom from death. He's given us that freedom. But he said, he said uh, that, that do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. I, I like what the, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12 and 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So we're glad that the door is open, that we can come and find a place that we can serve God and that we can serve man. I had someone just this last week had come and, and they wanted to find their place here that they can serve, that they can be a help to others, that they can be a blessing to others. You see, that's the call of God on us as a, as a community is that we love one another and that we serve one another and that we serve God with all reverence and fear. It is also an entry into the most meaningful life. The first book of the Bible reminds us that we were not accidents of the universe, but have been made by the Creator. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God created man and he breathed life into them. Life on this planet has a divinely inspired purpose. Paul wrote, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. You see, that's the only thing that has eternal value is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing him as our Lord and Savior and living a life for him, it's a, a meaningful life. It's a blessed life. It's a life where, where God's favor is upon you and you are a blessing and blessed. He said, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Praise God for faith that he has given us. In his book, In the Heart of God, Woodrow Kroll wrote this. He said, life is best lived on purpose. And purpose, like everything else, begins in the heart of God. Whether you realize it or not, he said, God has a direction for your life, a divine calling, a path along which he intends you to lead you. When you welcome God into your heart and establish a genuine relationship with him, he will begin and he will continue and he will continue to make his purposes known to your life. Not only is it a place that we can serve God and man, but it's a place that we, that we find the most meaningful life, but it's also a place, an entry to a certain hope for the future. Uh, Peter said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who, who through faith are shielded 
limited by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I believe that that revelation is coming very soon, that we, are, we, ha, we were saved, we are saved, but there's coming a time when that salvation will have a reality and we'll be caught up from this world and we will be with Jesus forever, forever saved. No more temptation, no more battle with the enemy. No more hurt or pain or tears. And I thank God for that day. Then it's coming soon. But I do. I want to talk to you something else about my church. My church is an armory. Which supplies me with the right stuff. Jesus said. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know my church supplies me with this right stuff. For fighting evil in the world. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul said, For though we walk in flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God in pulling down strongholds. In Ephesians 6, Paul wrote, verse 11, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, the church is a house of service. It's not a dormitory for members only where you come and sit and relax and take it easy. This is a place that we're preparing for what God wants us to do when we go out of this house. It, it is a, not a tomb with a steeple. It is a place of action. It is alive. It is doing something for the kingdom of God. We are in a spiritual war. Do you hear me, church? We are in a spiritual war. You don't want to th think about that. You, don't, you just discard it because we don't see it in the, 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 the greatness that we see it around the world, especially in the Mideast. But I want to tell you, evil is in our world. Sin is in our world. The, the, the devil is working overtime in our world to destroy our homes, destroy our marriages, destroy our life. That's his desire. That's his desire. Uh, Jesus said in the latter part of our text, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are living in an evil and adulterous generation, morally reprehensive, sinful, wicked, wanting to destroy all those who oppose this worldly ideology. I want to tell you it's everywhere. You just open your eyes, open your ears, and you'll see it and you'll hear it and you'll realize that what the Word of God says, that we are living in that generation that the Lord could come because of the sinful this is wax worse and worse. Church, I'm telling you the truth. We got to wake up. Jesus is telling us that there is a conflict with the church and with hell. We, he taught us to pray, deliver us from evil. In John 7, 15, 15, he prayed to the Father to not take us out of the world, but to keep us from the evil one. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he may deliver us from this present evil age. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, to abstain from every form of evil. Paul wrote to young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 13, evil men will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Church, don't you see that in our world today? Look at it in our government. Look at it in the moral compass of, the, of our nation where wrong is right and right is wrong. There's no, there's no absolute truth, no absolute morality. It's whatever you feel is fine. That's the world that we're living in. 
what we're seeing and hearing about in the Mideast war between Israel and the Islamic nations bordering Israel is not about property. It is about annihilating the Jewish people. That's what it's about. It was Hitler's aim in World War II to annihilate all the Jews in and around Germany. And we need to remember the Holocaust. Approximately 6 million Jews were killed in that war. The war at this present time is still to annihilate all the Jews. It is a war of hate and evil. Listen to what David Rosenthal, who is president of Zion's Hope, and, and I'm glad that I support their ministry to Israel, a ministry of help and evangelism, said about the war. He said it is a war of right versus wrong, good versus evil, God versus Satan, Jesus the Son of God versus Satan's pawn, the Antichrist. This is what we're seeing happening today on television, and we hear it on the news, and we see it. Uh, every day, this is what's happening. Uh, and I want to tell you, in my opinion, as it concerns to you and I here in America, I believe that it is evil versus Christianity. We have been quite too long. John said this in First John 3, he said, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, talking about Jesus, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man, the Son of God, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. John 8, 44, and it talks about the devil, and it tells you just what kind of enemy we have. He talk, was talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, and he said, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. This is our enemy. This is who is coming against us. Coming against us because he's coming against God. There's still that conflict that began before the world was formed between Satan and between God. And it still continues today. And his aim is to kill, destroy, all of God's people not just the Jews but, but the Christians Peter told us in, to be sober in chapter 5 of 1 Peter he said be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring iron, iron, roaring lion seeking whom he may devour If you are a Christian, the devil in this evil world want to destroy you. They want to do it physically or to do it mentally or they want to break your spirit to where you're not effective in the kingdom of God. We're ordered. And I want you to hear me what I'm saying. We are ordered by the Holy Spirit to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles are the devices and the methods, the deceptions, the lies that he tells. We're ordered to stand against sin and evil. We can't fight if we're sitting down comfortably in our pews, just enjoying the music and coming to church. We have to stand 
A good soldier has to stand. He has to take a stance against the enemy. He has to take a stance against the enemy. We are called to be warriors of righteousness, church. And you may look around and say, I don't see a warrior here, but I'm telling you, if you are a Christian, God has called you to be a warrior because we have a fight. We have a fight for the souls of our family, our children. We have a fight for the souls in our neighborhood. We have a fight against moral decay and deception. We have a battle. Dr. Wayne Brewer, in his book, Fighting the Good Fight, he wrote this, there are four categories of spiritual warriors. I want you to listen and then see which category you fall in. There are baby Christians who do not yet know about spiritual armor but need to learn. You need to learn about spiritual armor. I thank God for Susan's Bible study. I didn't know it was on the armor of God. Thank you, Susan. There's this non-combatant Christians who know about spiritual armor but have never worn it. They need to wake up. There's vulnerable Vulnerable, V-U-L-N-E-R-A-B-L-E. That's what I'm saying. I think the Lord put my tongue on backwards. Christians who only wear a part of their spiritual armor, they need to grow up. And then there's the victorious Christians who are wearing the whole armor of God and they are ready to fight. They are standing ready the Apostle Paul, while in prison, wrote to Pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 18. He says, wage the good fight, having faith and a good conscience. Paul wore the whole armor of God. And these were his final words before he died. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We have too many baby Christians and non-combatant Christians in the church today. Christ is calling his church to action. Christ is calling his church to action. And we need to dress for war, for it is already here. We are in the midst of it. There's a movie I like to watch on TV. It's with Dottie Murphy. I like a lot of his westerns. This one's called uh, The Guns of Fort Petticoat. I don't know if you've watched it before, but the... Uh, it's the Civil War going on, and all the men are going out to war, and he goes down to warn uh, the settlers about Indians attacking, and he has a whole bunch of women, uh, uh, and they go to a mission, and, and that's Fort Petticoat. And they got one woman there. She's, uh, she's the, 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 the one that she's praying to God, and she's reading the Scripture, and she refuses to fight, and, 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 um, and she just prays, and then, then one, one of the girls got shot and killed, and and, uh, and she condemned her because she was a sinner and, and all this kind of stuff. But in the end, this woman finds out that if there's something worth fighting for, you need to fight for it. She, it, it changed her whole life. I'm telling you, we've got something worth fighting for. Something worth fighting for. But you know... My church supplies me the right stuff for learning how to use spiritual weapons. Let me read 
the whole passage of Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I love what Paul said in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In the previous verses, Paul is listing all the spiritual blessings that we receive uh, as children of God, that we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We, we are predestined to be adopted by God. We are adopted into the household of God. They, they, he talked about the forgiveness of our sins, that we're saved uh, 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 by grace through faith, and, uh, and, 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 and said that we are a new man of righteousness and wholeness, and, and we're the chosen bride of Christ. But when he gets to chapter 6, he says, but finally... I need to tell you something. I want you to hear me. And Paul tells them that there is one who wants to destroy you, the devil, and you cannot defeat him in your own strength and wisdom. You must depend on the Lord in your life and in the power of his might. In order to be victorious against Satan and his entourage of wickedness, you must be clothed with the whole armor of God. You men and women this morning before you came to church, you put on your clothes, you looked in the mirror and see if you were dressed properly. And uh, my wife looked at me and said, uh, said, ooh, you look good. (laughs) We need to stop and stand in the mirror and ask God to open your spiritual eyes and see if you're dressed properly. If you're dressed properly, the belt of truth, that's the first item that Paul talks about, having girded your waist with truth. The first piece of armor is what we call the belt of truth. As a spiritual belt, truth is actually the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation that Paul speaks about in Ephesians 1 and 13. Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. I want to ask you, do we have any weightlifters here this morning? Anybody do weightlifting? I know Alex was here. She does weightlifting in high school. You know, I do weightlifting. Every time I stand up, I lift 255 pounds. And I look out here, some of you can lift more than me. 
But you know, I've, I've watched the weightlifters on the Olympics that were lifting all those heavy weights. And, and um, as they prepared to lift, they first put on a wide, strong belt around their waist and fastened around, around, all around their waist. It, usually a leather, uh, maybe some other material now, but and, and, and they would tighten it real tight. They did that for, to strengthen their waist, first of all, and to protect themselves from injury, you know, a, a pulled muscle, a, a hernia, um, something like that. This is a pre precisely what truth does for the spiritual soldier. Truth gives one the strength of acting on the basis of an accurate report, while at the same time giving him or her necessary spiritual intelligence to prevent them from walking into an ambush or simply believing a destructive lie. We need truth. Psalms 91 and 4 says, He will cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Psalms 105, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Psalms 119 and 30, I have chosen the way of truth, thy judgments have I before thee. Proverbs 16 and 16, By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. John 8 and 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 17 and 17, Jesus prayed to God, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. 1 Timothy 3 15, Paul is saying this, that we are the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. We need the truth today. In our world, we're told there are no absolute truths. Everything is relevant to the person and the circumstance. What is truth for one may not be true for someone else. We're being told today that the Bible is, is irrelevant and antiquated. One of the greatest strengths of the church is, is its ability to fully believe the Bible is the infallible, inerrant Word of God. This is the truth. This is the truth, the Word of God. For the church to sustain its identity as relevant in today's society and culture, we must believe that what is written in the pages of this book is absolute truth. Do you believe the Word of God to be the absolute truth of God? It is inspired by God. I know there have been a lot of secular books that have been written by men who were inspired to do so. Some have been good and some not so good. Uh, but the differences between those books and the Bible are that the Bible, first of all, is inspired by God. And second, what is written in the Scriptures is relevant for every human being. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.16, and I love this verse, very familiar passage. He said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek word for inspiration literally means breathed in. That means that it's alive. Uh, uh, divine inspiration is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit on the human mind by which prophets, apostles, and sacred writers were qualified to set forth divine truth without any mistake or error. I want to tell you, there's no mistake, there's no error in this Word of God. There was many authors, many t uh, and uh, thousands of years that, it that, that was written in this book, but it is what the Word of God is all about, truth, the truth of God's Word. Uh, 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 just as God breathed into man and he became a living creation, God breathed into this word. And it is a living, vibrant, relevant, never-changing, 
eternal word. And we need that truth. And the word is profitable. Uh, Paul said it's profitable for doctrine. That is that the truth of God's word we embrace and believe as truth are in this word. Uh, and, and Paul told Timothy, he said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Church, I loved what happened last Sunday morning, but I want to tell you God wants us to get into the doctrine. He wants to know what this word is saying. He wants to, us to know what we believe and what we can share. How can we share the truth of the gospel if we don't believe it or we don't know it? How can we be that voice for him if we can't speak his word? Continue in them and you save both yourself and those who hear them. Paul continued to say, he said, the word is profitable. You know, I like that word profitable. Uh, and the word is profitable for reproof. That simply means that the word is good for reprimanding us when we are at fault. You know, there are times that we need to be reprimanded. And the word will do that. Proverbs 3 and 11 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Hebrews 12 and 11 says this, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We need God's reprimand. We need the Word of God to tell us where we're at fault, when we're making a mistake, when we're out of line. We need the Word of God. I've told you many times about how my mom and dad purged, uh, purged our peach trees uh, and uh, and and we were we were the the reason for that uh, many times. <laughs> uh, I want to tell you it was painful but necessary. <laughs> but I want to tell you God's rep rep reprimands may be painful, but they are needful. We need God to chasten us because when He chastens us, it shows that He loves us and that He calls us His sons. And his daughters. But you know it's not only profitable for reproof. But it's also profitable for correction. That means that when we drift off the straight and narrow path. The word will lead us back onto the right path. You know this is where our world is today. Paul said this in 1 Timothy 4 and 1. said the spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I've read this one already but I'll read it again. 2 Timothy 3, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. And then Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, there will be those because of their own desires who will turn from sound doctrine and go to teachers and preachers who will speak what they want to hear, tickling their ears and turning their ears from the truth. This is where we are today. This is where we are today. And the sad part is that this is happening in the church. That we've got preachers and teachers that are just preaching and teaching what makes people feel good. God cares more about you feeling good. 
He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be ready, to be ready when He comes. And the Word is good for instruction in righteousness. The Scriptures teach us how to be holy and to live godly in this present world. 2 Corinthians 7, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Verse 17 of 2 Timothy 3, Paul gave the reason and importance of the word, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every, equipped for every good work. We need the word. We need to be reprimanded. We need to be chastised. We need to be put on the right path. We need to be taught. And it's all right here in this word. It's right here in this word. And we need to come to a church that is doing that, that is teaching, giving instruction in righteousness, giving us the correction in the direction that we need to live our life. But let's get back to the belt of truth. Paul said, having girded your waist with truth, wearing the belt of truth in a sense is wearing the word of God tightly around you. Taking this word and just wrapping it around you. Wrapping it around you. The warriors in the Romans' time, they had their, it was a big leather thing that they wrapped around their waist big heavy weather thing come down below their thighs that protected the private parts the vulnerable parts and that's what they wore we need to put this Bible around us to protect us protect us from where we're most vulnerable where our weakness is Lord let us wrap this Bible around protect God have your way have your way. The reason Jesus prayed that the Father would not take us out of the world is because the world is the harvest. I used to think that we just need to isolate our children. You know, don't let them play with sinners' kids. You know, keep them home. And, and I and I appreciate those that do homeschooling, but you know, they, they just isolate them. You know, don't let them go to their ball games. Don't let them be a cheerleader. Don't let them be in the band. Uh, you know, just let them go and get some instruction on how to read and write and arithmetic and, um, and come home and then take them to church and let the church. But see, it's got to be in the home too. You've got to teach them at home. But here's what I, I have realized. Um, isolation is not the answer. It would do the Lord's work. Because we have to be out in the world where the harvest is. They dug peanuts. They had to get out in the field to do it. If they just sat up here on the tractor and just looked at the field, the peanuts would still be there. And Bradley, you could go out there and just pull them up and get you a bunch of peanuts. But I'm telling you, isolation is not the answer. We need to insulate our lives with the Word of God. 
The word of our, is our source of faith. Romans 10, 16, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear it. We need to read it. We need to, 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 to study and meditate on it. It is a word that protects. Psalms 119.1, thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is a word that enlightens. Psalms 119.105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It lights the way that I need to go. I don't know why we, when we take our eyes off of the light of the word that's placed before us and we begin to go this direction and that direction, then we're walking in darkness and we're stumbling and we're falling. Uh, we, we need to keep walking in the light. The word was written that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior that gives us life through his precious name. To be a warrior, the Christian must believe the truth of the gospel for himself. He must hunger for it and acquire it for himself, the truth of the gospel. He must hold the truth tightly in his own mind in order to be prepared to deal with any attack or mind game that Satan attempts to throw in his direction. I want to tell you, Adam and Eve had the word of God. God said, do not eat that tree. That was the word of God. They did not know the deception of the enemy. They were not prepared for the lies and deception of the serpent, the devil. And God has given us the truth, and the truth prepares us and preserves us. The belt is necessary to protect us from the lies and the satanic deception that is so present in today's world. It is, it is the belt of truth that protects you by reminding you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The belt of truth, we need it. We need it wrapped tightly around us. Let me give you five steps on putting on the belt of truth. Step number one is to read and meditate on the Word. Paul wrote to Pastor Timothy to study the Scriptures rightly dividing the Word of truth. Study seeks to discover the actual intent of a Scripture or scriptures rather than attempt to impose a meaning on it. It is studying to find the truth of the word. And meditation is thinking. It's deep thinking. It reviews the matter. It looks from different perspectives. It considers all the possibilities and seeks the right application of the word. We need to be students of the word and meditate on the word. Number two, you need to genuinely love the word. You need to love this word. The sad thing is, according to Barna, that only about 30% of Christians read the word. Not just once a day, but even once a week. Now, I know that's not you guys, right? I mean, you, you get in the word every day. We got to love that word. You know, I love ice cream. I could eat ice cream all day. I love it. I just love it. You can probably tell that I, I love ice cream. We've got to love the word. Listen to what Jeremiah said. This is what he said. He said, thy words were found and I did eat them. Devour the word. Devour it. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Eat the word. Love it. Number three, forsake any deceitfulness and sin in your personal and private life. 
You know, to the lukewarm church in Revelation 3, Jesus says to be zealous. That means to be ardently devoted to a purpose and repent, change your mind or direction. You know, we've got to repent. Jesus told one group of people, except you repent, you shall all like life perish. Repentance is a part of our everyday life. We're not, we're, we're not perfect. We're, we're, we're still in this imperfect body, in this human body. We still have a war between the flesh and the spirit. We do sometimes make a mistake. Do sometimes, and, 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 and oh, don't let me say this, but it, sometimes we sin. But thank God we have a way out when we sin. John, 1 John 1 and 9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to walk under that banner of the word that if we stumble or we fall, we can come back and repent to God and God will forgive us. Number four, refuse to believe the accusations of the devil. James 4 and 7, submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Uh, you, you. You need to understand the importance of those two words, submit and resist. In order to resist the devil, you must first submit to God and to his truth. When you're talking about submission, you're talking about surrender. You surrender yourself. As, as a writer says in Romans, uh, that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We've got to first submit to God. We don't have power to resist the devil. He says for us to resist the devil. We can't resist the devil until we've got the power of God in us through our salvation experience that we can stand on and resist the devil. Then he will flee. Resisting. It is the truth of God that will set you free. Number five, be sensitive to the leading and discernment of the Holy Spirit. John 16 and 13, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. We need to be sensitive to the Spirit. What you saw happen last Sunday morning was people being sensitive to the move of the Spirit. We can't do anything without the Spirit. We can't do anything without the Spirit. In closing, we've got some police officers in our congregation we've got some firefighters a police officer has to dress properly in order to uh, do his job and protect citizens and and, and also himself if he leaves off one piece of uh, his uh, equipment it can be fatal for him I mean they have to have their gun belt they got to have the gun for protection and there's taser my wife wants a taser Don't get her a taser. <laughs> but they have to have their handcuffs and they have to have their ammunition. They have to have their bulletproof vest to protect them. Because if they don't have these, if they don't have a gun and they come against a gunman, 
there's no protection. If they got some that is just rowdy and you need to take them down and they don't have their taser, they're not prepared. If they don't have their bulletproof vest and someone shoots them in the chest, because you know most people when they shoot they go towards the heart and then they have that bulletproof vest to protect them. It would most likely kill them. You take a firefighter. If he doesn't have the right equipment when he goes into a house fire, if he doesn't have his his tank of uh, what is oxygen or whatever, I don't know, I don't think it's oxygen, whatever it is that's in the tank that takes him with him, he's got to have his helmet, he's got to have that jacket on that's fireproof, and got to have an axe, and got to have all these things. If he doesn't go in with the things that he, that he should take, to do the job, it could be very harmful and fatal in some instances. So you see, church, what I'm trying to tell you is that we've got to dress for war because we are warriors. Next Sunday, I want to finish this message on learning to put on the full armor of God because we still got some armor to put on not just the belt. The belt's not enough. We've got to cover the whole man to prepare him for war. Prepare him for war. So next Sunday, I ask you to come back. Come back and let's see how we put on the whole armor of God and what that means. Would you stand with me? Thank you for listening. I apologize for going over three minutes, but you still got time to beat the Baptist. Would you pray with me? Father, God, we're thankful. God, for your word this morning. God, you're building your church. God, this church here, this fellowship, you're building it. And God, we're so thankful that you've also declared that the gates of hell will not prevail. We receive the attacks of the enemy. They'll come against us. They'll want to destroy us. But God, you said they will not prevail against your church. And God, this morning, Lord, we realize the time that we're living in. We see what's going on in our world. God, we see the things that are happening, the prophecy, God, that's being fulfilled. God, I know it's your timetable. You could come back today. You could come back in five years, ten years. We don't know. But Jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour that he's coming back. But he did tell us, be prepared because the enemy's coming against you. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and become a follower of God, the enemy's coming against you. 
And Father, I thank you that you gave us through your Apostle Paul God words to help us to dress properly for war. God, that we can put on the whole armor. Because without the whole armor, God, we're, we're vulnerable to the enemy. And Lord, when we read that passage, we, we, sometimes we don't understand, you know, how this happens or that. How do I put this on? How the, God, you have told us. And Lord, I help us, God, to put on the whole armor of God. Lord, that when we go out these doors, Father, we're going out to the battlefield. And we need to be prepared. We need to be dressed. Lord, we ask that you help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Uh, tonight, the prayer and praise service, please come. You'll truly be blessed.